What's up, Salt Company? How are we doing? Are we recovered from the fall retreat? Still not recovered? Did you guys get a lot less sleep than normal? Okay, yeah, I did too. There's a long story. We'll go there another time or never. But I got a lot less sleep, but I'm, I'm recovered now. I love you, Vaughn. Anyways, okay. Um, the far retreat was so awesome, you guys. Like, I, yeah, it's, it's so cool to always um, just, like, get to go to the far retreat and see God do what he does in your guys' lives and just to sit back and, and watch him do that. Super cool. Um, I also went 100% win percentage in spike ball. Just saying, um, me and Nils, we beat Jordan, or we beat John and Sabrina. It's the only spike ball I played. So that stat is really not that big of a deal. So maybe we need to play some spike ball afterwards. Let's do that. I want to meet you. I definitely don't know all of you, so we have some spike ball to play. Um, we're going to keep going in our encounter series, just the second week of our series tonight. We're going to be in the Gospel of John again. Um, but actually, before we, before we turn there, before you grab your phones, grab your Bibles, whatever, um, let me ask you this. Is it possible to know a lot about God, but to not actually know God? Is it possible to know a lot about God, but not actually know God? Could, could that be you? Could you know a lot about God, but not actually know him, not have a relationship with him? That's, that's possible for a lot of other things, like not just God, right? Like it's, it's possible to kind of have this intellectual knowledge of something, but to not have an experiential knowledge, right? We, we could all say just a couple of months ago that we understood what a hurricane was, right? Like we, we could be like, yep, I know what a hurricane is. But then on August 10th, everything changed. And we could now say, for those of you, maybe some of you in the room have already been in a hurricane, but we've experienced a hurricane. Like we actually know how powerful hurricane winds are. There was a hurricane in Iowa. That doesn't make sense, right? Like no one even knew that was possible in this room. If you do, you're lying. You are. No one knew the word derecho. No one even knows how to say it. So, okay, I never thought I would experience a hurricane in Iowa, but I can now say that I have experienced a hurricane. Like, I actually know what a hurricane is like. Is it, is it possible that this is you tonight? That you know a lot about God, or you kind of have your opinions about who God is, but you don't actually know him? There's a huge difference between that, right? Like, can I, can I get you to agree on that? But, but what's wrong with that? Like, what if, what if that's you? What if you know a lot about God, but you don't actually know him? What, what's so dangerous with that? Like, isn't, isn't Christianity just like a bunch of rules? Like, what's, what's the deal if you just knew a lot about God, but you didn't know him? Tonight in our series, in John chapter 3, we're looking at this conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is this, this super religious dude. He's a Pharisee. And, and oftentimes, if, if you kind of know your Bible a little bit, usually Jesus and the Pharisees have run-ins, right? They're, they're not usually having, like, the most cordial conversations. But 
the Pharisees usually have pretty like kind of antagonistic conversations with Jesus. They're calling him out on, why are you, why are you eating with those people? Why do, you, why do you do that on the Sabbath? But Nicodemus, he actually comes to Jesus and he comes alone. He comes at night and he actually just, he has, he has something to tell Jesus. He's like, well, let's just turn there. Let's get it. John 3, here we go. Turn there. We're going there. You didn't expect that. I didn't either. Okay. So, the Pharisees, right? They often didn't really like what Jesus was up to. This is what it says. I'm going to read the first four verses for us. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, so we see Nicodemus, first of all, isn't just a Pharisee. He's actually a ruler of the Jews. Like He's a, he's a member of of the Sanhedrin. It's this Hebrew high court. Like, he's a big deal. Nicodemus is a big cheese. You guys know what a big cheese is? I got called a big cheese the other day. It was weird. I don't think I'm a big cheese, actually. But Nicodemus is a real big cheese, okay? He's a big cheese. And he comes to Jesus. And I actually think he wanted to come to Jesus kind of in private. Like, he comes at night, and he doesn't really want to make this big scene about it. He doesn't want to be seen but he comes to Jesus and he's actually like, dude, the things you do, I think, I think you're from God, which isn't even what a lot of his Pharisee bros were thinking about Jesus. Sometimes they were saying like, Jesus is from the devil. Like the things Jesus is doing is not of God. And so Nicodemus cannot have any higher of a religious rank. But what does Jesus tell him? He comes and he tells Jesus, I think you're from God. And Nicodemus gets told by Jesus nothing in response to that. He gets told, you must be born again. Why does Jesus tell him that? Like, that's, that's hard news. Like, Jesus isn't even really, like, accept this compliment, if you want to call it a compliment. It's really odd. Like, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that his religiosity doesn't mean anything for him to get to God. It, it doesn't get him there. It means nothing to Jesus. Read, read verses four through eight. Let's go a little bit further. It says, Nicodemus said to him, or sorry, we already read verse four. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then verse five, Jesus says, his mother, or Jesus says, answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Jesus is telling Nicodemus he's got all of this wrong. His 
his rank in religion, all the things that he's done, his, his law-keeping, his obedience, all of the memorization of the Torah and the prophets, they get him nothing. Jesus has the same thing to say to him as he would anyone. You must be born again. Like Nicodemus doesn't actually need to know all the things he knows, and he doesn't have to do all the things he does to be a part of Jesus and what he is about, his way. But what does is, what is born again mean? Like, that's kind of weird, right? Like, Nicodemus has given Jesus some sass. He's like, dude, can a man enter into a, his mother's womb again? And I, I think that's sass, right? I hope he doesn't actually think that's possible, because that's, yeah, okay. That's, that's a little bit weird, um, and not physically possible. But, so, like, maybe you've heard this, like, born again Christian term, and Maybe you kind of even have in mind someone that's just like kind of a weird Christian. You wouldn't actually call yourself a born-again Christian. You're like, I'm just a normal Christian or like whatever, but I'm not one of those born-again Christians. Are, are there two types of Christians? Like, is that, is that a thing? Can, can there be two types of Christians? Like, what even is a Christian? Is it, is it something just people can self-identify as, or is it something supernatural? Like, why do you need to be born again? Why, why in the world is, is Jesus telling this super legit religious dude, this Jewish guy, this member of the high Hebrew court, that he must be born again, that he has to kind of redo it. He must have a spiritual rebirth. He must have an inner transformation. Do you have a lot of kind of opinions of, of who God is and how he might just accept you because you're, you're a good enough person. Like, like you would go to God and you would say, like I did, I did this and I treated these people this way and I was like, I was really a good person. And you think that's your way to God? Because Nicodemus was thinking that through just following the law and through doing all these religious things, that was his way to God. Or maybe you'd say that you believe in Jesus, like you know, you know how loving he was, and, and you like that. But him getting to tell you that you actually have to die to yourself and, and actually have an inner transformation, a spiritual rebirth, you don't like that. Like that's, that's too far. But Jesus can't just be a good teacher. Like he can't just, he kind of can't just be this guy that said some nice stuff. He got killed because of what he taught, guys. Like, like, yeah, he did some cool miracles. He healed some people. He said we should love our neighbor. But he got put on a cross for what he claimed was true. He got put on a cross for what he claimed was true. Jesus wants to show us here that eternal life cannot be attained through our works or through some religious street cred like Nicodemus definitely had. Like he was this famous teacher. Three times Jesus tells him, truly, truly, you must be born again. Truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. Okay, look at verse 5 with me a little bit more. Verse 5 says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
The other times, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. And then later, he says, you need to be born again. But this time, he says, water and the spirit. What's going on there? Like, is that, is that like, there's another born? Like, so there's like three? No. Okay, this is what's going on. Jesus is taking Nicodemus back to the Old Testament. Like, the books that he actually knew well. He's giving him a lesson right here. Jesus actually might be pointing back to multiple kind of Old Testament passages here, Old Testament uh, promises. And the one that seems to be most clear that Jesus is taking him back to is Ezekiel 36, where God promises to not just send his spirit into humanity to renew them, but he's actually speaking through the prophet Ezekiel of this inner cleansing, this, this kind of figurative cleansing by water. So people way smarter than me think that Jesus is actually saying here that this is the same thing, like this is the same birth. He's just kind of giving it to Nicodemus in different ways in hopes that he'll get it, in hopes that he'll actually see that Jesus is referring to what is promised way beforehand. So he tells him, you must be born again, born of water and the Spirit. Think about your birth for a minute. You don't remember it. I don't remember mine, right? You didn't cause any of that to happen, did you? No. I, I have a son. Like, I know he didn't. I know how it works. Yep. He didn't do anything. He didn't. So it is with this birth. Jesus is saying it's of the Spirit of the Spirit of God. And there's two kinds of people, Jesus is saying. There's people that are born just of the flesh and people that are born of the Spirit. There's not a third, someone that's kind of in between, someone that doesn't want to say that they've really met Jesus and been transformed. They just kind of like him. There's not a third category. You're either born of the flesh or you've been born again of the Spirit. You cannot be a true Christian, and not be someone who's born again. And Jesus tells Nicodemus not to marvel, not to marvel at this. Like, don't even, don't even just be perplexed about this anymore. He tells him, it is a mystery. Like, look at verse 8 again. The wind blows where it wishes. This word for wind is the same word as spirit. So he's saying, the spirit blows where it wishes. And you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Like the Spirit of God came into your life if you're a Christian and caused you to look upon Jesus and believe. Like you didn't, you didn't just kind of will that up. You didn't get the smarts to figure out that Jesus was the Savior. No. God moved first. Like hear me when I tell you this. If you're a Christian, God was the first mover in your salvation. His Spirit moved and came into your life. Like you can't explain, just like you can't explain or, or have an answer for you causing your first birth, you can't explain exactly why you came to saving faith in Christ. The reason that you became a Christian is not because of your smarts. The God who loved you made a choice from eternity past to come and rescue you. 
You can't explain it. Like you were once running after your own desires and God entered into your life and changed your life. You cannot start your life over again if you wanted to even. Like you would still kind of have your own kind of normal likes and dislikes. You'd have the, the ways you like to do things, the routines you like to do. Even if you changed your identity and moved to a different city, you'd still have the same kind of interests in food. You'd still like the same shows. Only the Spirit of God can change your desires from not pleasing God to pleasing God. If you believe that Jesus Christ has come to your life, if he's come into your life to save you through his life, death, and resurrection, that's the beginning of a completely new life for you. Like your, your desires from that point on have been forever changed. Yeah, you still struggle with sin, but your kind of innermost desires, they've been changed. Your eternity with God is certain. You are born again if you have faith in Jesus Christ. It's not some kind of secondary, better experience. You are born again if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You have new life. But Nicodemus here, right, he doesn't have this spiritual sight to see Jesus for who he is yet, does he? Let's pick up back again in verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Right? He's not, he's not getting this still. He's been told you must be born again. It's the spirit who does this. You must be born again. How can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus gives him some more, right? Like he doesn't give up on him. He's still not getting it. He actually pulls in one more example, one more spot in the Old Testament to point back to. And it's, it's from the life of Moses. It's from God's people in the wilderness. When God told Moses to make this serpent out of bronze on this pole, like the, the people of Israel are getting bit by these fiery serpents. And if they only looked up onto the serpent, they'd be healed. Like they would, they would live from their bites of the serpent. And Jesus is saying, I'm the greater fulfillment of that sign. I'm the one who's going to be lifted up, it says. Like he's not, he's not actually even there referring to his like resurrection. He's just referring to being hung on a cross. In that moment, Jesus was placed there and he took the full cup, the wrath of God, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. He's saying, anyone who looks upon the cross and sees me, sees me dying in their place, has eternal life. He also tells us that no one 
has ascended into heaven. Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. That's probably even a more wild statement for Nicodemus to swallow than Jesus telling him that he must be born again. Jesus is making a really crazy claim to his divinity through saying that. He's saying that he is God. That's so mind-boggling that God would come in the flesh to give us the gift of eternal life. Like, Jesus gives this dude these earthly examples, and then he tells him the heavenly ones. And you'd think with all of his kind of knowledge of the prophets and the law that he would see this, that it would make sense. But these things are spiritually discerned. They're, they're given as gifts of God. Faith itself is a gift of God. No one has ascended into heaven except Jesus Christ. He's speaking of this ascension with certainty, and he hasn't even, he hasn't even done it yet. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's pulling back the curtain for all of us through the scriptures. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, just like he's going to be lifted up onto the cross on this torturous murder weapon, it's going to be the most God-exalting moment in history when the perfect justice and wrath of God meet the mercy and grace of God. That he would, he would punish his one and only son in the place of sinners like you and me. Jesus is the greater fulfillment of this, this Old Testament sign. That he's the one we have to look to. He's the one we have to put our faith in. I want to finish reading the rest of our, our passage down through verse 21. Verse 16, you might have heard it before. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his own Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Christian, John 3.16 is a beautiful verse, isn't it? But it's a, it's a verse that's still good news for you today, even if you, if, if you accepted Jesus 10 years ago. It's a verse that is good news for every day following Jesus because it empowers you for obedience to Jesus. Like this is a gospel verse. But it's also, in one sense, an offensive verse. Like, it, it tells us that we needed saving. That the God of the universe had to send his son. Like, there wasn't another way to save us. He had to send his son. 
John 3.16 is saying eternal life isn't attainable on our own. Not by how good of a person you are. No. But God, in his great love, sent his son for sinful humanity. It says, for God so loved the world. Like, that word right there is actually not referring to just like all of the creation and everything. It's saying humanity. God loves humanity, even in its sinful state. But he wants every person everywhere to repent, to turn to Jesus Christ, to look on him on the cross, seeing what he did, how he suffered in your place. He wants you to believe. God came to rescue people who rebelled against him and against his holiness. But just as quick as we are to move on to the next like social media app, like, you guys remember Vine? Yeah, I think I had Vine for a hot minute. And I don't even know what's the thing anymore. TikTok or something. I don't do apps anymore. Um, that's not true. But I don't do those apps. But just like we move on from those types of things, we move on from John 3.16. Like, we move on and we, we can so easily just... Go ahead and dive into deeper things, right? But hear me, the gospel isn't just the A, B, C of the Christian life. No, it's the A disease. You move on from the gospel and you make a completely different religion than the way of Jesus Christ. You turn away from the grace of God that's the only thing that made you right with God. Don't move on from John 3.16. You need John 3.16, not just for the day you come to Christ or to share the gospel. You need John 3.16 for the rest of your life. Jesus is telling us good people don't make it to heaven. Not even really good people or super religious people. You must be born again. But you're born again through looking on to Jesus, believing in him. Christian, Jesus has something super sweet in this passage that I want to remind you of. He says you're not condemned. That's really, really good news for all of us. You're not condemned by a holy God anymore because of your faith in Jesus Christ. No matter how great of a struggle you've had in this last week with your sin, but some of you condemn yourself. Some of you condemn yourself. The God of the universe does not condemn you anymore. There's grace upon grace for you. Come out of that. Come into the light. Experience freedom Maybe tonight, maybe tonight to walk into the light, it looks like confessing sin to somebody and being reminded of the gospel, them speaking gracious words of Jesus Christ over you. Others of you in this room, you haven't believed in Jesus. And this passage actually tells you something harsh but it's 
out of love because the God of the universe loves humanity and he wants humanity to turn to his son, Jesus Christ. But it tells you that you are condemned because you have not believed yet in the name of the only son of God. That's the hard truth. You need a savior. You cannot save yourself. You cannot get to heaven on your own. Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus Christ has entered into human history to experience separation from God. A separation that you would experience for eternity if you didn't believe in him. Your sin separates you from God's holiness. But Jesus was glad to separate from the Father, to take on the wrath of God in order for you to not be condemned, for this judgment to be taken away from you if you would just look on him and believe. Only through Jesus Christ can we know God. Only through Jesus Christ can we get to God. Like, Believe in Jesus tonight. Be born again. Believe in Jesus. It's just like the Spirit who gives new life. So the Spirit gives faith. And maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is actually poking and prodding at your heart tonight to turn to Jesus, to accept him. Maybe you need to just spend some time in your seat once we get back to worship and just do heart work with God. Or maybe it, maybe it looks like going and just spending some time reading your Bible and meeting with God tonight. Getting kind of pulled away more from the noises that distract us from hearing the Spirit of God, from being sensitive to the Spirit of God and seeing what He has for you, what He's done for you. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, talk about what God has done in your life. Like, talk about when your new life began. Like, you have a story now, a story of actually being reborn. You went from death to life. That's crazy. It's not going to make sense to your friends that don't know Jesus. You have to speak about it to them. Like, that's one of the things that I wish I could go back and redo is actually share what God had done in my life when I came to faith. Because for a lot of my friends, it didn't actually make sense what had just happened. It didn't, it didn't make sense at all. They just thought I was kind of making my own way to God, doing a lot of Christian things. But I'd actually been changed from the inside out. And here's the thing. You don't actually need to just kind of let your friends see your new born-again life, they need to hear the good news that caused that new life in you. Like you get to now share the gospel freely because it's the Spirit who gives life. It's the Spirit that just miraculously blows into someone's life and changes everything. You get to proclaim the gospel and not put pressure on yourself that you have to do it perfectly and that you have to be the one that just shares it most compelling and your friend comes to faith. No, you get to just do it out of freedom. It's the mysterious work of the Spirit. 
Guys, what, what might God want to do in this community through us as people who look to the cross every day as our source of salvation? I think it would actually make us salty people, right? We're salt company. We're not, we're not an event. We're a, a community of people that wants to show the gospel and live out the gospel and share the gospel of people that have good flavor, right? Salt's good. I like salt. Like we'd be, we'd be stripped of our pride. We'd be stripped of kind of just trying to appear like good and nice people. People thinking that that's actually how we get to God. There'd be less confusion about who Christians really are. Like what a born again Christian is. Because that's, that's a weird thing for people, isn't it? The cross would become increasingly more beautiful to us. And Jesus would be the one that continues to change us every day as we image him, the more we look to the cross. Because at the cross, that's where Jesus suffered in our place. That's where God's justice and his holiness met with his love and mercy for you. And tonight... The God of the universe. He is opening his arms to you to receive Jesus Christ. To receive the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't know what that looks like. If you don't know exactly how to do that. It looks nothing different than just praying to God. Asking God to show you who he is. Asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Man, talk to someone tonight you know. Maybe a leader or one of us on staff. This is the gospel. We love the gospel. We talk about the gospel all the time because this is the greatest news in the world. That God has come to save us. And so, we're going to enter back into worship. We're going to respond to the, the God who has loved us and has sent his one and only son to die in our place. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's worship the God who no longer condemns us but pours out more grace and mercy on us each day. Pray with me. God, thank you that we know you Because in Jesus Christ, you've revealed yourself. In Jesus Christ, you've saved us and you've given us this gift of of new life, this eternity with you that's already started. God, we're amazed by the fact that you would love us when we were far off from you, when we were still sinners. God, we want to see you face to face. God, we want Jesus to come back. Thank you that we have received the gift of faith. We want to be people that don't keep it to ourselves. We want to be people who, yeah, rejoice every day in 
in the good news of John 3.16, but we want to be people who share John 3.16. We never want to move on from what you've done for us. We want to worship you right now and respond to how great of a love you've shown us, how you've you've suffered and died for us, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.